Welcome to Charting the Course, a podcast from Full Sail Capital. We're a registered investment advisory firm committed to helping clients grow and manage generational wealth. We do this by focusing on integrity, competency, and transparency each and every day. No matter where you find yourself on the investing journey, our hope is that these conversations, stories, and interviews can empower and equip all investors with fresh insight and perspective on the capital markets. Thank you so much for joining us, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Today, we're going to kick off a new series of sorts here on Charting the Course, featuring our CEO, David Stanley. Since he is, in fact, the leader of the firm, we're going to title these conversations The Captain's Corner. We will always be able to know, similar to Squared Away, kind of what we're doing and, and who you're about to hear from. Really high level, we're just wanting to sit down with David and get his perspective on a handful of topics throughout the year, maybe some market perspective, if things he's hearing from clients, advice he's giving to his clients. So today, we're going to kick that off. We're going to talk about managing and making money, how they're different. We're going to talk about a little bit about market timing, just given the downturn we had last year paired with the uptick we've had this year so far. Talk about some of the headline investing news. I really hope you enjoyed this. If there is anything you'd like to hear directly from David or from his CEO seat, things that he sees uh, just across the board, please let me know. I'll be happy to include those in the next episode that we do. So so hope you're having a great week. Uh, enjoy today's episode. And as always, if there's anything we can do for you, just let us know. Thanks. David? Thanks for joining me today. It's great to be with you. I, uh, I'm excited for this kind of new quasi-series we're going to be doing with you specifically and kind of sit down and get David's thoughts down here on recording. So today we're going to revisit a topic I think that some people confuse, I think can get a little gray. So I'm going to have you kind of define both terms. And that's the concept of managing money versus making money. When you think about those topics, how would you define both managing or making money? And then where do you think we come into play as a firm? Sure. That, that's that's a great question. We come into play managing people's money. Obviously, when people have gone out there and worked really, really hard and had really good fortune and made it themselves, right. our job is to, to be a good steward of what they did, manage it and make that money outperform inflation and, and grow in accordance with their risk tolerances and income needs from that point forward. But we can't make it for you. Right. What you need before you come to us is some real solid common sense and a hard work ethic. Right. Well, and I think one question or, or one concept that I think gets confused a little bit is I don't think we're ever saying that we can't help create wealth if somebody's been with us since their 20s as a you know third generation, maybe grandkid for a right. client we work with. We can help them create wealth by just simply saving Stu right. like to your point, stewarding, managing correctly. But it is a major difference between we're not going to turn somebody's $5,000 into $500,000 in two or three years because of some massive trick we do, right? And, and I think that's what people get sold. Yes. And after what we've seen over the past five to 10 years, let's just take real estate for an example. Okay. We have our real estate developer clients that go, gosh, Dave, I'm out there making 30% cash on cash, right? regardless of what the, the markets have done. Of course, that's changed this this year. Yeah. Yeah. That historically for a long time is what they had or I'm making 20%, whatever. Can you do that for me with relatively low volatility? Well, you just laugh and you go, no, because number one, people in the real estate world, their asset isn't marked to market every day like ours is, right? Right. right. So they might be shocked by the volatility they actually had if they, they, they saw that. But it's the same concept as it, as it relates to anything. We can grow people's wealth over time. Sure. If they allow us to do that. And they 
allow us to do our job. Yes. The clients we make the most money for the, are the clients that are just happy to just go live life and let us do what we do. Right. Well, that's the reason why we're pretty deliberate when we're first meeting with a new client or a prospect that we want to make sure they're going to actually let us do our job because there are people that for whatever reason, they, they love to tinker and, and I get it. They had to tinker a lot while they were making it if yep. they didn't inherit it. Right. And they're not quite used to not putting their fingers on it. What would you say is the hardest part of making money? As you look back on your own career, you've built books of business, you've been at firms where you've been in charge, you've been the CEO here at Full Sail, you're the CEO. What, in your opinion, or working with entrepreneurs even, what's the hardest part of making money or creating that wealth? What's something that sticks out to you as this was hard or this is hard or this is a challenge I hear from these people? I think the human nature part of us all, the biggest part, is just being able to be at peace with and the discipline with delayed gratification. Mm-hmm. Every millionaire that I work with that has made it themselves, mm-hmm. multi-multi-millionaire, they all have one thing in common. Even my clients that are worth 50 plus million, they don't make any purchase without really thinking it through mm-hmm. and deciding how they're going to fund it. Great that point. is That is something... Gosh, the younger generation needs a little help with. Uh, they just, yep. this we've taught Instant. our, yeah, this impulse buying. And I, I love it. I, I had to spend a weekend with my wife because when we buy a car, I don't say a word. She just tells me to sit there and be quiet. She <laughs> is, she, she, she finally had our last salesman following us to our car going, that's not fair. <laughs> and she was like, but it's like, but, but I was looking around at the other people in there and they were just, they were, you know, the sheep's being led to the slaughter. Right. You're just asking about a payment. Right. Instead of trying to work through, right. how do I do this in a way that I can afford? Makes sense for me. Yes, and will not be detrimental to my long term. Believe it or not, you you can you can make a decision in one of those places that'll wreck you for a decade. Absolutely ties you up. Okay. On the flip side, what's in your opinion on our side of of managing and preserving and stewarding the wealth? What do you feel clients struggle with the most as we manage the money for them? They certainly don't struggle in an up market. Right. Right. Up markets, well, everybody happy. Everyone's pretty thrilled. Right. And um, with the way we manage money, um, we're going to be right there with the market. So they're, pre- they're pretty happy. It's in a down market. It's fighting those voices that right. go, you know what? We're going to zero. Yep. Or, wow, you know, everything I'm, I'm listening to on TV um, is telling me that this is going to be really bad for a long time. Let's take last year, going into last end of last year, for example. We have a lot of sophisticated clients, so yeah. we don't have as much trouble with this. But we had a handful that were just like, God, Dave, should we just go to cash and ride this out and ride this out? And we're going, no, because the markets will start up on the worst news you've ever heard in your life. Well, huh. <laughs> We are going into the fourth quarter of last year and everyone's going, you know what? Next year recession. Next year yeah, it's uninvestable. It's, it's uninvestable. We, we we can't we can't be in the markets. Well, I think it was October. We revisited the lows of last year. Yep. And then from there, if you which is when we were having all these conversations. Yep. We kinda had a little bit of a rally in the summer and then and then back down into October. And that's when these conversations were coming up. And it's not straight up, but we we've no, gone. No, we pushed up. I, I believe from that point, you're up. We're up over twenty percent from the, the lows October, in October. Yeah. I mean, from this year, year to date, S and P 
as of recording this, S and P's up a little over thirteen percent. Nasdaq's over up up over a little bit over twenty nine percent. Wow. But up. the Dow Dow's only uh, only you know we'll take it. But Dow's up a little over three percent. And so speak to that a little bit. You know you you've got some discrepancy in in at least the just the equity markets and the, the bond market is finally pulling its weight. With, so you with had rates. that you had that kind of that script kind of flipped last right. year, right? Where the Dow was really outperforming, or, or the other overall a long period of time, and and you know we have to can constantly um, make sure our clients are remembering we're playing a long game. Yep. And when you're playing a long game, you, you can do one of two things: you're either going to really win big or going to lose really really big if you get concentrated. Yep. We believe in 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 completely diversifying our clients. We do it in a an incredible way. I think our investment team, the, the they, thought they, process and the, yeah. and the technology we put behind it is unmatched, I think. It's great. And so we, I look at it and I just go, if you, we know history tells us if you're diversified and you're disciplined on how you trade over a long period of time, you make money. Yeah. Could that change? Sure. I mean, but I, I'm not going to bet against it. I'm not right. going to bet against free market capitalism. And the markets, what I think most people don't, think about the markets are always looking six to nine months out, maybe even a little longer than that. Mm -hmm. They're not looking at today's data. In fact, they can look at a data point that looks pretty terrible and go and the market go, okay, I think we got all the bad news is in. Yeah. Now we yeah. can turn. <laughs> yeah. But the psychology of an individual investor or someone that's a day trader trying to time the market, they're going to wait until they firmly emotionally feel like we're well on the upswing. And you've already missed most of the ride yeah. when, when you get to that point. Well, and that, that kind of ties into the uh, one topic I wanted to bring up with you is just market timing. We've already touched on it, but I know you've had conversations, uh, the whole office has had conversations like we referenced earlier of, well, should we just go to cash to ride it out? Yeah. Should we just go super conservative until X happens? Right. So how are you handling those conversations when, when people call in with those questions? So typically they ask that question after the market is really pulled back. Right. So you're, you're, you're wanting to get out after that. Yeah. It's already down. It's already down. We're already down. So though the, when, when it's down is when I'm wanting to buy, I'm, I'm, I'm not wanting to get out because I know our discipline tells us long-term that's the thing to do, even though we don't know. I mean, two weeks later after we did that, it could even be much worse. I can tell you stories from 08, 09 that yeah. every day we were buying, it would go down significantly the next day. And I would just be like, dear God, I know what we're doing is right, but this feels this horrible. Feels, yeah. And two years after that, we were like, wow, we look really smart. Even though we, we were just doing what discipline told us, we had nothing to do with being really smart. So I just think it's just so hard. Everyone thinks they know what's going to come. Right. Yeah. No one does. We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> if it, I mean, we're going into the end of last year and our clients were telling us, Hey, everything we're hearing is, is recession next year. It's uninvestable. Europe's uninvestable, which it's not, it's done very well done very this well. year. So Debt you go, ceiling crisis. And I think if you go back to our squared away at the beginning of the year, yeah. I told everybody, I go, you know what? My inclination is the contrarian in me says everyone's saying all this is that this year's going to be pretty good. Yeah. And we don't know what the year's going to end up nope. at. We could have a big pull. But so far, that, that's that been pretty spot on. And it's not because I can read a crystal ball. It's just like you do this 34 years and you see a few trends. Yep. And yep. and that that's what this is. And, and so we know 
we, we, we might even pick a spot where we go, you know what, we need to get out and you'll look really smart. But the second decision you have to make is just as critical Mm -hmm. and that's when to get back in. And the time to get back in is when it looks really bad. Yep. And so you would never have buy-in from a client wanting you, wanting you to do that if you were a timing person. So the people who time always do, you know, two to 6% worse than any, any manager or, or I can show you studies far worse than that over a long period of time that rides it through. Yep. And it's not like we're doing nothing when the markets are down. We're tax loss harvesting, benefiting our clients. We're rebalancing. We're repositioning you to when we get to the other side, you prosper even more on on the next upswing. And there's always a next upswing. Yep. You know, the tax loss harvesting concept is something we've had Stacy on to talk about. We've had Zach on to talk about. It's a unique concept, but it's, it's an extremely powerful tool. I was going through a report with a client trying to explain it to them uh, a couple of days ago. So if we're looking back over a four-year period of time, market value of their account is up, but net realized gain losses is a, a, a net realized loss. And it sounds so backwards, but we're realizing that you know, because of tax loss harvesting the investment team did, we were able to capture losses that will help offset the future gains that are already in there because we stayed invested the whole time. So anyway, we, we dive into the tax loss harvesting comment. I can even link it below, but uh, it's an interesting concept. It's totally interesting. Well, one more comment I'll give you on the on market timing. So we just came through, you know, the nut jobs in Washington, again, took us <laughs> right up to the edge on the, the right. debt ceiling. Yeah, are they going to do it or not? And... I mean, all of us agree we should we should have a a fiscal house where we where we spend what we earn, but mm-hmm. we can't control those people. But they took it right up to the edge again, and I had a client actually say to me, "Hey, Dave, very sophisticated, brilliant. Should we go to cash? Because if these guys don't do the right thing, the market's really going to get crushed." Yeah, and I'm like, "No, let's walk through that process." He had unrealized gains in his account. So if we'd have liquidated all of his equities, he would have had about a $10 million gain. Sizable. Yeah. (laughs) So you're going, you know, close to 2.5 million in capital gains gains taxes. So you go, okay, so let's say we did that and we saw what they actually did and and where we are now with the market screaming, we probably still wouldn't be back in Right. Because you feel, you feel dumb and you would have this huge bill to pay. I, I've just destroyed a, a, a huge portion of the wealth that we actually made for this yeah. person over the last five years and given terrible advice that fed into fear. Anytime I feel fear or greed, I want to go the other way yeah. on both of them. Oh, those are, to tie back into the managing versus making money, those fear and greed, to my, in my opinion, are detrimental on both of those avenues. If you're building a business, you're leading a chart, you're, you're trying to make money, create wealth, fear and greed are killers. If you're trying to manage wealth that's been created, you're trying to manage and steward generational wealth, fear and greed are, oh, they're yeah. killers. There's no doubt. If you have made a lot of money, if you let either one of those into your life in a big way, you'll meet poverty again. Yeah. We met with a, a, a person that was just a friend of a friend that came yeah. in. And this was just not that long ago, 18 months ago. Okay. They had made $50 million off of investing in Tesla, Shopify, a few of these, but they'd used, they'd done it with leverage. They'd done it with a call op, with right. options, everything you want to talk yeah. about. 
I, I don't even want to go into how the the str- the, <laughs> Let's not even, the, yeah. well, the straddles and but, stuff. But that leverage, they used to get margin, there. options, yeah. But they they did all this in a the most gambling way you can possibly, and it was great. They won, yeah, and they won, but they didn't view it that way. They felt like they were brilliant and they had figured something out. Yeah. The last I checked with them, that fifty had gone down to about five, wow. and that was below their invested capital. So I, I'm I'm just crazy. saying. There are people you'll hear all the time, well, you know what you guys do is really gambling. I go, no, the way individuals do it is gambling, where they're buying a handful of individual names where they're concentrated and they're trying to time the market. The way we're doing it is fundamental investing, and over a long period of time, that gambling fact, there is no gambling. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. We're not picking an individual company or stock. or It's just not the way we do things. But but getting across to a client too, there is no way to make a return without taking risk. Without taking period. risk, yeah, it's it, it's the risk premium we've talked about. You know, one thing that you know we we continue to bring up Morgan Housel because we just think he's an extremely bright mind. And one thing he says, and this is kind of going into the market timing, but also just the you know if you're trying to invest by the headlines, you you just you just all you do is the watch the news, whether it's regular news or investing news, it's just, it's fear and greed driven. <laughs> We've already kind of talked about it. But one thing uh, Morgan said was if you, if you're watching a CNBC, for instance, and you know, one of their personalities says you have to buy Tesla today because of earnings. Morgan's like, who are you talking to? Because if you're talking to somebody that's investing for a 30 year time horizon and their goal is to create wealth, maybe, but if you're talking to some 65 year old retiree they are not playing that same game as his whole thing. And I just think it's such an interesting concept. And so as you hear from people or hear from clients or even our own advisors, and it's like, here's what's getting kind of fed down our our clients' throats. Here's what investors are having to decipher through. What's kind of your answer? I mean, other than just flat out, don't watch it. But So I do think everyone has to just realize, every human being, myself included, you too, Tyler, yeah. we have a bad news bias. We listen harder when it's bad news. We allow it into us in, a, in an easier way than when it's good news. It's good news. You're passing it along. And, oh, that's great. Yeah. You're going down the road. Bad news. It's like, okay, Sticks. what is this going to do to me? So I also think something that Morgan Housel says sticks with me that we try to pass along is, you know, the way we manage money, it's the most non-sexy thing in the world. Yeah. If, if, you're, if you're managing your money yourself or someone else's, and it feels really complicated, and it feels really exotic. Ugh, yeah, there's there's some risk behind that. You're either going to win big or lose big. Right. Yeah. Morgan talks about a concept that I think people don't realize is average returns earned consistently over a long period of time. That's how wealth is is created, and that is how wealth is maintained. It's not maintained on the roller coaster of, Mm-mm. you know, my advisor outperformed the market by 30% last year. Well, right. Well, guess what? They're going to underperform it by that or worse at some point in time. Well, and it's they continue the, to do it's it. It's the stat that Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger talk about all the time, at least for Buffett's case. A, a, a large majority, a very large majority of Buffett's wealth has been accumulated after he turned 60. Yeah, he was 65 when it really started rolling. And so it just speaks to the power of, I think Morgan calls it the power of staying put, but I've just seen the, it's it's the compounding, it's the discipline. And if you have the ability to remain disciplined and not let fear and greed creep in or drive decisions, you will be better off down the road 
than if you were to just be driven by headlines or fear and grief. It's just like I told our advisors last last year when when, when all this was going on. This is when markets like this are when we do our best work for our client. Yeah. I mean, we talked about that a lot last year. We do our best work when we keep people from doing things that will harm them 10 years from now. Yep. And our clients, thank God, we have, we have wonderful clients. They all stuck yeah, with us. Do. We have, They stuck with us and listened to us and trusted us. And it's paying off. Mm-hmm. And it's paying off in a big way. And it's the, the, the payoff for us is when we see people, you know, after we worked for them 10 years and you see, wow, we've more than doubled their money sure. several times sure. or at least one and a half times yeah. by then. And yeah. you, and you listen and you look at what we went through to get there. And it's usually you go, so there's, there's some white water to get down to the smooth yep. stream, right? Yep. And, we, and just trusting that we're navigating it correctly. Mm-hmm. That's where it all gets really satisfying. I think the clients that have developed and consistently have maintained a a trust in our team or a trust in the advisors they've worked with for years, whether it was here or, or in the previous, and now now they're here at Full Sail. I think that really, to me, speaks to the longevity of, that, that a client has to stay in the market. Because if they don't trust you, and if you don't trust your advisor, we've talked, Candace and I talked about this in the last episode, of finding somebody you trust. Now, again, you want them to align with your values and align right. with your investing philosophy and, and belief, but it, if you trust them and they're doing things the right way, yep, that, that can lead to, that can help you prosper for sure. Sure. I, I always like the Reagan adage, trust, but verify. Yep. You, you need to verify what all of us are doing. And we all trust each other and love each other, but never, ever stop verifying. Yep. Which is, again, the, the previous podcast before this, Candace and I go through very kind of elementary level of questions to ask your advisor, things oh, yeah. investors should know. So it's just a good reminder, but absolutely. David, anything else today as we wrap up just on managing or making money, anything with just the emotional side of investing things you're hearing or, or something you want to get out there to our investors and our clients? I would just say that if you are uncomfortable, if you've come through this last year into this year and you're still uncomfortable that means you've got an inappropriate asset allocation. Mm-hmm. Um, when your asset allocation is correct for you, you it's not fun. No one enjoys it. I don't enjoy it. When we go through a bump like we did last year uh, or a semi, you know, crash, yeah. which it felt like to a lot of people, which it was just a bump. Yeah. But it's amazing how it feels emotionally. Yeah. If you come out of that and you're sitting here now going, man, I still just feel real really uneasy. I, I say sit down. If you're, if you're a full cell client, sit up, please holler at us. Let's, yep. let's talk because you need to be in one. We build our portfolios to be all weather portfolios. Yep. We're going to go through it. We uh, trim the sails to go right in when we go through a storm and we trim them to keep going to get through it. Yep. We don't put them down to where we sit, sit in the middle of it. Yeah. We're going to get through it. So if you're, if you're feeling uncomfortable or wherever you're at, go sure. meet with your advisor. Go talk and, to them. And talk to them and go walk through your asset allocation again and the long-term returns that come with it, as well as the long-term standard deviation with that asset allocation, which is a fancy word for just showing the volatility. Yeah, that what, that what you can expect, can right? And the other thing I like to also add in these conversations is if if your goals didn't change last year yep, and your timeline or time horizon didn't change, yep. then to your point, why would we change the way we're invested no. other than if you just can't handle the nothing the, to change and if you have not done a financial plan yep. 
which we try to do that for every one of our clients. But if you're at a place where you haven't done one, get one done because that will put everything in perspective from a very long-term perspective because you have a year year like last year, it will show you it it, it literally did not affect your long-term outcome if you had an an asset allocation that was appropriate. So uh, that's that's been our experience with with, with our clients. But it helps where you can actually see that. It will alleviate a lot of fear and it will alleviate a lot of anxiety that comes around that. David, I appreciate it. Thank you for the time. Thank you, sir. And we'll sit down again here in a few months, and I'm sure there'll be some other, something else that we'll have to uh, break down. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately, but fortunately, we like that. It's job security. All right. uh, Thank you for listening. If, If we can do anything for you, please let us know. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's conversation, don't forget to review and subscribe to your preferred podcast platform. Have a great week. All opinions expressed by the host and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Full Sail Capital. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Full Sail may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast.